0: Hey, welcome to another edition of West of Everest. I am Lee Benson, sitting here on a very cold February Tuesday evening. Who cares about the weather? Let's get to the rest of the podcast, which is going to be about the news that broke last week in the college football playoff world. And it's news that made us here on the podcast roll our eyes in frustration. In case you missed it, the playoff announced that the current four-team format will remain in place through the 2025 season And that's when the current 12-year playoff contract expires, which means that we have another four years of this four-team playoff. And four years, it can be a snapshot in time, but when it comes to the college football playoff and college football, it feels like an eternity. Just think four years ago, you know, we were all super pumped about Lincoln Riley and his chances of winning Oklahoma a playoff game, maybe even a national championship, and all of our Riley hopes and dreams are now gone. Uh, I, now we're just super cynical when it comes to Lincoln Riley. Another thing, four years ago, at this time, we were all wondering where Baker Mayfield was going to get drafted. And we were looking ahead to Kyler Murray's first spring ball as Oklahoma's expected starting quarterback. That was four years ago uh it's in one sense it kind of seems like it was yesterday but also it seems like it was a decade ago so yeah we're going to complain about the playoffs sticking at the status quo and we're also going to address a couple of west of ever's facebook page comments that you all have left us here in the last few weeks or so joining me as always to help me through this podcast journey a man who lives to have takes on the college football playoff and the quote-unquote leaders in college football who seemingly Make their jobs look a lot more difficult than they probably really are. That guy, of course, is Grant Benson.
1: I don't have any takes this time, Lee. I think they got it right. They <laughs> nailed it. And that'll conclude our
0: college football playoff. In fact, I want to stand discussion.
1: up. I want to applaud. Yeah, I want to. I want to applaud the committee and just their their extremely robust and thorough decision making. Uh, just, just a wonderful job all around. Seriously, take a bow. Did you? uh, did did your eyes open a little
0: wider did your jaw drop when I said a moment ago that it was just four years ago that we were wondering where Baker Mayfield was going to get drafted that was four years ago
1: I mean yeah I mean I was yeah before you went into Kyler I was going to say that was the Kyler Murray season was was four seasons ago and um that didn't seem (laughs) that didn't really seem like that long ago it really doesn't so that's like that's the crazy thing is that that four years it's that that's going to come and go before we know it. That's the this is one of the tragedies of getting older. Is that I am learning every single year is that everything goes a lot faster now. But uh, no, I mean it's it, it's definitely going to be frustrating, especially if we have to do four more years of kind of the same old song and dance with the with the debate, the dis- or the quote unquote debate and the quote unquote discussion. Like are we just are we just going to is it going to be like groundhog day where we have the exact same takes, the exact same talks? except this time it's 2 years in the future and they're going to be talking about 2026 and uh, it's 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 a mess and I like I don't it's, it's probably going to be worse 4 years from now it's going to be harder to come to a to, to a deal I would I would guess
0: uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on here with this playoff decision. I know you're pretty fired up. You're texting me uh, some Ross Dellinger tweets and uh, everything going on. We're going to try our best to get into all of it. So from your perspective, where do you want to dive in? Uh, like like what is the most annoying or egregious or the 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 thing that that makes you just throw your hands up and and say come on guys like what are we doing here like where do
1: you want to start well I mean this is actually one of those this is one of those situations where you can sort of go and you can you can go to any national outlet you want you can pick whatever columnist and Pretty much all of them are writing the exact same thing. Uh, they're hearing the same thing from all other people. I mean, this is, this is about as close to just sort of political bickering gridlock as you really possibly can get uh, in college football. And I think kind of the, the unanimous sort of too long didn't read of this entire thing, if you want to read the national media, is you got a bunch of people who are, who are looking out for number one instead of looking out for college football uh, in totality as an entire sport. And just, you know, from the outside looking in, it's hard for me to disagree with that. That's exactly what is going on right now. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, the contracts that they currently have right now do not force them to make a decision on this. And while they're still sort of in this, I don't know, in this in this ether right now where they they can expand if they want to, but it has to be unanimous, they just, people in that room cannot get past their own uh their own wants and their own needs as an institution as a conference and i think the end result is that just college football as a national institution as a national sport uh is is the loser and every everything just sort of stays in in the status quo for now which you know the the money will continue to flow but it could be way more money and there could just be a lot more fun there could be a lot more fun and like i I think that's the biggest takeaway from this is that everybody's self-interest in this regard is just fun-sucking. That's all it is. Let's see. I have some questions.
0: (laughs) So help me with these questions. The first one I have is, why at this point does it have to be said, again, at this time, like today, we're in mid to late February of 2022. Why now does it have to be settled that, all right, in the next four years, there's not going to be any expansion. Like, why does that have to be determined now? Uh, like four years, even though, like you were saying a moment ago, yeah, it, as you get older, time does fly by. It goes faster. It, it it does seem like it it picks up, but but at the same time, though, I do think though, yeah, yeah, four years ago, it, it does seem like it was not that long ago, but but really, in in a lot of ways, it seems like it was. A long, long time ago because Kyler Murray hadn't even started his one year at Oklahoma yet. Now he's, uh, I mean, is he going to get another contract with the Cardinals? You know, He's already like kind of, a, he's not a veteran yet in the NFL, but I mean, he's been in the NFL now for three seasons. And it's just like that a lot has happened since then. So point being, like, I get it. It's too late to expand a playoff for 2022. It's February of 2022. That's not going to happen. Fine. Get it. But I, it's not too late to expand for 2023, right? I mean, the, the 2023 football season is more than a year and a half away from kicking off. Yet in, in February of 2022, it's done. We're not going to expand the playoff. We're going to have the same format for the next four years. So I think it's ridiculous that there's apparently a cutoff point for expansion like 4 years out from this contract being up. So that's my question, why now do they have to say or why are they saying, "Oh, sorry, 4 y- <laughs>
1: we're stuck for 4 years now with the same format." I don't know. I I don't know about that. Um I don't I don't think there's anything that's in a contract or like I think theoretically something could always happen where they're just like, "Hey, maybe we should meet again." Cuz I think I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, it wasn't until the, the COVID season until talks of this really started to ramp up again. Um, so, I, I mean, I think, yeah, theoretically, I don't think there's anything stopping them a year from now being like, okay, maybe we're, maybe we've calmed down a little bit and we want to have discussions again about it. I, I, I think that's still technically possible. Why they went out and announced something right now. I, I guess that's probably just, they're just probably being practical. I know they had another meeting on the books for March and I think one of the things that they were announcing essentially was we're so far away that that meeting in March is now just yeah they canceled it it's just going to be a waste yeah, of everybody's of time so they just yeah. canceled it so I think I, I think them announcing something now is a reflection of just how far away they are and and by they I mean um, we now know that you know there's there was eight conferences that voted for this twelve team expansion that um bob bullsby and greg sankey and the mountain west uh commissioner and jack swarbrick the uh, the notre dame athletic commi- or athletic director they put together over a year ago um eight voted yes on that and the three the three holdouts the big 10 the acc and the pac-12 we know they voted no and so they've uh, you know if you want to dive into you know why they're saying no it, it's i i think it's i think that their public reasoning i think you should take them at face value. And I think you should believe them to an extent. Um, but I, I, I do think they're voting no for, you know, for probably uh, other reasons. One big reason uh, that reason being just the sec in general. Uh, but we, we can go more into that. I, I don't um, how, how interested are you in, in, sort of like the, the reasoning that the big 10 and the ACC and the PAC 12 have given so far. Uh, a lot of that was in, you know, the, those Ross Dellinger tweets that I tweeted you the last time around, um, but it's kind of sounding like, right, where, you know, the big holdup for um, the ACC, one of the things the ACC is saying, they're talking, they, you know, player safety is one of the things that they've addressed. Uh, they don't necessarily like the idea of, of, of a team potentially playing 17 games in a season. Um, I think their athletic director ha- has also said they want to prioritize other things in college football, like NIL and other things before they tackle the playoff. Um, and, then it, and then really, Lee, it sounds like with the Big Ten and the Pac-12, it sounds like the biggest, the, the biggest you know, sort of uh, sticking point for them is, is one, the status with a- automatic qualifiers. The Pac-12 and the Big Ten want those automatic qualifiers and they're unwilling to come off of that viewpoint. And it sounds like this is more so in you know for the Pac-12, but the Big Ten is also you know with this as well. But the Rose Bowl is also an obstacle as well. Um, and you and I, we you know we we grew up in an area that's that's in Big Ten country. Um, I probably know this more than you do, but yeah, it's it's you know people in the Big Ten and presumably I was in the Pac-12 as well really care about the Rose Bowl, and and that's that's going to be something that. Is going to be an obstacle that's not just going to go away. You can't just wish that away. That's something that, um, that's something that you know the Rose Bowl too is going to have to come to the table along with everybody else. But I think the Rose Bowl themselves—they're in their own little sort of college football federalism too, where they're just thinking, "No, we don't want to do anything that lessens our power on college football as well." Um, and it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's just a huge. Uh, and and you know obviously Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC I'm, I'm sure sticks out to to the other conferences as well and there's just there's a lot there it is an enormously complex issue that unfortunately there's just a lot of human emotions and feelings wrapped up in it.
0: Okay, ton of stuff there. Let's try to take it you know one bullet point at a time, and I want to stick with just the timeline really quick because if you look at the the timeline for the expected expanded playoff like if this would have passed let's say they would have passed this unanimously 11 nothing the the expansion wasn't going to happen until 2024 so we would still even you know be at the 14 model in 2022 and 2023 so for whatever reason they felt the need that they needed to do this multiple years ahead of time and again i come back to why do they need all that time to expand Like, why not, if they would have passed it, why not start it in 2023? And I know a big reason is probably a lot of contracts, bowl game stuff. Rose Bowl, obviously, is another thing that throws in there. There's probably all these things financially that, you know, make it to where it's difficult for them to start something right away in 2023. But my, you know, it's kind of a, It's a childish way to look at it. I'll admit it. It's somewhat childish to me to say, figure it out because I understand it's the real world and there's lots of financial implications and people have signed contracts for a long time. Uh, When it comes to this stuff, I don't care. (laughs) This is like where I'm I'm kind of probably going against some of my principles where it just it's so obviously can be better. And when things can be better, it's just annoying to me when people drag their feet. So... to to answer my own question i think from the beginning of the podcast you know why now are they basically saying nope it's over we're not gonna be able to expand until you know at the earliest 2026 if 2024 was the next time i guess they're probably their thought process is well if we went back to these discussions a year from now then we wouldn't be able to start the new playoff until 2025 and that's the final year of this contract anyway so what's the point of going to a new playoff system the final year of the contract so might as well just say that's probably it yeah but but that's their own decision, though. Taking so much time to with the new thing. So okay, so that's
1: well, uh, and I know, but sure, and like I, I agree with you. Like I, I mean, I don't from a matter of the, like that. Like I don't understand why we can't just do a twelve teamer this year. Uh, I, I I feel like you probably could pull it off, but like I said, I mean that's that's not the reality. That's that's not how the real world works, unfortunately. Um, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's. That's just, that's, that's where it is. Like, yeah, I don't think we're going to get far just talking about, they're just, just sort of venting why it's stupid like that. Um, cause it is. I mean, they, they, they should be able to do this a lot quicker, but, um, <laughs> they're not. And like, that's just, that's it's just how it it's is. It's
0: so annoying because whenever all of this stuff came out, when was it? Was it the, the summer? Was it kind of after the OU Texas stuff? I can't remember like whenever the,
1: it was a little bit before. It was a little bit before OU and Texas that leaked, um, and I got to think that you know OU and Texas that leaking, that that threw a huge wrench into this. It obviously did yeah. big time. It, I like I I would not be surprised if the OU Texas like news wasn't even supposed to be known now, even like as of now. Hmm. Wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, that's well, if that was the the case, then boy, I, I <laughs> they don't know how information like that works because' something like that big's gonna definitely get out uh, but I guess what I was trying to get at though is that hearing that it seemed like there was steam the gaining steam of a, an expanded playoff and it really felt like it was gonna happen sooner rather than later and so I think now
1: this coming out and saying well nope sorry it's not is it's yeah we had a show in the summer where it that's this yeah. was the topic and we were excited about it and we and like we were we were treating it like it was almost a done deal because that's kind of how it was presented in the summer when that came out. Like, yeah, here's this proposal. And yeah, kind of like in theory, everyone has sort of agreed on it. Um, And then, and then, yeah. And then honestly, then OU and Texas, the SEC happened. And that clearly has changed a lot. That has changed a lot. And I think, you know, I don't think necessarily OU and Texas going to the SEC is the, like is the main thing. But I think symbolically, it definitely woke up, you know, Kevin Warren, the Big Ten, other presidents in the Big Ten, maybe in the Pac-12 and the ACC, too. That I, I mean, I think it's like the SEC is going for world domination, man. Like, I, I don't think this is kind of where I, I think the narrative the last the last week or so ever since this is, you know, this has crashed and burned has been the alliance, you know, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 and the ACC are, are you know voting against their own interests which you know there, there's a part of that argument that i'm sympathetic with of course because you know they are in some regards but it's kind of like but this narrative that the sec is just there and that they're controlling everything and that it's just it's just smart just to kind of bend to their will and, and anything that they want and I, I i know there's a lot of people that probably wouldn't you know characterize it that like that uh, that's something that is really that that I notice, and so it makes me it makes me think. Like I, I really do think the biggest hesitation that I think those three conferences have in signing on the dotted line for this thing is they're worried about SEC domination. They don't want the SEC to run the entire sport of college football. And I think if you just listen to Greg Sankey and you just look at what their you know their actions, what they've done, that's clearly his end game He wants to be the commissioner of college football. Um, and from kind of like a from an institutionalist standpoint, I, you know, I, I think absolutely. I think I think Greg Sankey and the SEC there they are villains in this in, in some sense in that um, they really do think that they stand atop college football that they're a perch above everyone else. And I think product on the field in terms of their players, I think that's true. But I think you know institutionally, I think you know, they they think they're better than everybody else. And they think that they should be able to, you know, they think they should be able to dictate kind of how everybody else operates. And there's a part, I I don't like that. There's a part of that 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 makes me feel kind of gross. And I can understand why Kevin Warren would be like, no, screw you guys. This is kind of what you guys want. Um, And this is sort of, you know, uh, why would we cede more power over to you just like this? Um. That's probably their position. I think there's, <laughs> I, I I think there's probably some hole, a lot of holes you can poke into that. Um, but I'm sympathetic to it. I I don't I don't want the SEC to run everything. I think that's boring as hell. That's not good for the sport. Hmm.
0: I'm trying to figure out where to go from there. I mean, the the big thing that was coming into my mind when you were talking about the SEC and kind of the you know world domination, college football domination why is obviously yeah there's they have like a lot of really good teams um they have a a ton of teams now at ou in texas what is that up to 16 now i think they have with ou in texas uh but how much does the the tv deal with espn factor into this is is, that's kind of because when i think of the big 10 the acc the pac-12 they don't they don't have as strong of a deal as maybe the sec does with espn i mean they have i mean they're tied with fox
1: well the big 10 that's about to change with the big 10 i mean the big 10 is about to is about to negotiate a massive tv deal so this is more uh, the the big 10 it's it makes a lot more sense for the big 10 to say no to this they can the big 10 can still make gobs and gobs of cash with their new tv deal that they're going to get within the next year or two um to go along with um you know they're they're going to get a team in the playoff a majority of the time anyway, and they already have big brands with Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, et cetera. So they're going to be fine. This is more the ACC and the PAC 12 kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Um, just because they're not, you know, they, unfortunately they're, they're not super happy with their, with their current role in college football on the hierarchy that, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of where it is right now, but also I think the sec should throw them a bone as well, which they're, they're unwilling to do. Um, or, I guess, you know, from the SEC's perspective, they're saying that they would probably say this 12 team playoff is the bone that we're throwing to you. This is our compromise, which, you know, from from the SEC's negotiating position, I can see why, you know, why they feel like that's a really reasonable position. Um, the whole thing is just, it's, the whole thing's tough. It's, it's really tough. Did I answer your question? I can't. What, what was your uh, original yeah, question?
0: Yeah, no, I, I, it wasn't really a question. I, uh, basically, I'm, I'm interested in where ESPN comes in because I want to say, wasn't there a, uh, I don't know if there was a report or I can't remember what time of year, but a, a big thing that I think uh, you know, outside of the SEC that conferences are annoyed about is the fact that ESPN runs the playoff. And so the thought and is... That's where it was
1: interesting. Yeah. So if you read any of, this, any of the news reports that came out of their meetings last week, it sounds like there actually was, it was unanimous amongst everyone that if they were to expand this thing, they would bring in multiple TV partners. So the 12-team the, the playoff... Would be on multiple channels. Oh, okay. Um, Good. So they did all agree on that. Because I, again, maybe
0: I just made this up in my own head, but I could have swore there was some cynicism towards an expanded playoff if ESPN was still involved. Because I thought it was like, oh, wow, they have a a deal with the
1: SEC and
0: they're already going to. I think that was. They're going to want to put more SEC teams in the playoff maybe than they otherwise would. Because,
1: yeah, I don't know. I think there were some people speculating that uh, kind of around the time that. The OU and Texas stuff leaked, um, because remember there was a lot of stuff there about how, you know, buyouts with the Longhorn Network. How would that work? You yeah. know, ESPN owns that, and I think that's where a lot of that came in. Um, but yeah, if, if, if the reports that be believe from last week that they're all that all of them are in that that actually was an area of agreement that everyone had that they should bring in multiple TV partners, Good. and that that's great for me to hear. Like, I mean, that's that's one area. It's like, hey, you know maybe there is a half glass full way to look at this saying Like, Hey, take some of the, take some of the bad with the good. At least they did agree that, yeah, it needs to be more than, you know, just ESPN. Um, So, so that's good. I, I just, the, um, this actually just popped into my head though, but there still just seems to be just a lot of bizarre positions that I just don't find reasonable at all. The, you know, the, the two that come to mind for me, uh, Gene Smith, the athletic director for Ohio State last week, you know, in in the wake of all of this, came, came out and said that he didn't like the idea of, of there being on-campus games. He, he said that, you know, he, he would prefer like Ohio State p- play in Indianapolis, like if, if that happened. And then my, and I'm thinking, I just, that's, that's one of those things where I, I don't, if, if that's his mindset, I don't know how, how it would be, be possible to reach him. Um, that's just a like that's just a take that's so divorced from reality I just don't understand that I was led to believe it would be the SEC people who would have no interest in, in coming up to Big Ten country to play in December but it's ac- it, but if you're to believe the reports from last week it's actually the opposite it's the big Ten people who don't want it and I, I just that makes no sense to me whatsoever that is like that's to me in my mind on campus playoff games teams, in different geographic regions having to go to other geographic regions in the winter is 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 the main pull of the expanded playoff i mean that is that's like that's something that we've never seen before we've never seen georgia play at penn state in december who does everyone wants to see that Except, except for ohio state's ad i guess
0: yeah i suppose if if Smith specifically mentioned the idea of weather and stuff like that fine to me I, that's just like uh it's it's definitely a, 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 weather it's definitely weather that's the concern because to me that's just kind of part of the deal that goes along with the awesomeness of on campus playoff games i mean <laughs> like i still
1: here's a here's the deal like i I like football played in cold weather is not particularly it's it's not what I would prefer I I don't think it's like it's it's not going to give you the cleanest game but I'm still one of those guys who is just like but you play football outside and like you can't control the weather and if it's cold that day then like deal with it (laughs) like I just I don't like there's there's just as good as a chance that you have like an unseasonably great day in December too, and it's 45 degrees and sunny and it's like perfect football weather
0: the whole thing is just silly to me yeah and it'd be interesting to to see you know when these playoffs would start i know that we probably went over the whole proposed model in our podcast last summer whenever it was all out there and i'll be honest with you i've probably already
1: forgotten half of that stuff but yeah like i think it's all i think it happened i think the national championship would be played on the same day as it is now okay so so we're talking it would be
0: playoff games and probably what Early mid December at on campus sites, so yeah, I mean that could be. I yeah, think there would should, be one it, week off. There would
1: be one week off after the conference title games, and then that's when the on site games would would start.
0: Yeah, I mean, you go to Penn State, you go to Ohio State, you go to Michigan. You're going to a cold weather place. I mean, they they play outside up until December, anyways. What's a couple weeks is not going to be that big of a difference. And type of yeah, that's that's a bizarre
1: it's that's that's bizarre yeah and i'm with you I, i'm i prefer and there's also just um i i just think there's i think one of the biggest one of the biggest problems with college football right now and and it's you know it's not like a problem in the sense that like oh it's ruining the sport but i mean it takes a lot away i mean there's it's they need to get away from playing games in neutral sites it's it's just it's not that fun it's i mean there's some neutral sites that are fun. cotton bowl it's a lot of fun oh yeah but like that's the kind of the whole bit is that it's it's an electric atmosphere that's the whole point i mean I, I i hate playing these games in the cavernous domes and the like i mean games at jerry world suck college football games there suck i it's are you, talking, you know, I, you're talking I,
0: like bowl games playoff games things like that
1: yeah all of it yeah even just yeah even like er, like those early season kickoff games that are huh? played in jerry world or played in atlanta screw that man G- get on campus yeah
0: yeah, all things being equal, I agree. I prefer games on campus. Yeah.
1: Like, the, like you know, the, one of the reasons why the Rose Bowl is special is because, like, it's, the stage is unique. It, it's, it's a, like, when you're there, it's a picturesque thing. Like, it's worth, it's worth the travel just to see the site. Like, that's, that's like, kind of part of it. When you're going to play at Jerry World, like, I, you can drive past Jerry World on 35 going through Dallas.
0: Hey man, but you see the ballpark there—the new baseball stadium. There's a couple cool bars around there. You yeah. know, yeah, it's it's
1: Starlington. <laughs> uh, but also, I, I I do I do want to bring it up too. Like I, you know, and maybe this is just, um, maybe this is a take that just doesn't register in my head. But like this is this is kind of where like the you know, um, I I'm I'm frustrated with the SEC and and Greg Sankey because. Honestly, you know, of of um, of all of the takes that I've heard and like all of the hangups, the the thing with the automatic qualifiers, the SEC is is adamant that that conference champions should not be automatic qualifiers in this thing. And I'll be honest with you, as far as I'm concerned, that's the least reasonable of all of the positions of any of the conferences right now. I just I, I you know I I understand that I'm sure their reasoning is that. They don't want like an eight and four or like a nine and three team getting in, you know, in a single season, thus preventing one of their, you know, SEC teams from getting in. That's almost certainly why they don't want it uh, because I think it caps teams potentially in some years. And I guess to me, I just, I'd say, who cares? Who cares? I I mean, you're, you're gonna like, we have to attach some sort of meaning to these, to, to, to winning your conference. And I understand that a vast majority of the time, even under like the proposed thing without the automatic qualifiers, that they're gonna get in no matter what they're still gonna get in um, I don't know if Utah would have gotten in this year though under this under this new thing like i yeah, I agree
0: that automatic qualifiers should be a thing and and your reasoning for why they don't want them is probably correct because it, it could potentially knock out you know one of their their teams i get that and and this is going to be me living in non-reality unfortunately but i, I wish it was reality that this is a it's a it's a for me i don't like conference title games i think i think that's a thing that needs to go away and so if conference title games went away then there wouldn't be an issue of potentially stealing a bid like you see in college basketball with conference tournaments because if they did it like they did in the, F- the fcs where it's just the best team in the conference they don't have a conference championship game number one team that wins a conference throughout the regular season that's who wins it there's not going to be any bid stealing there's not going to be any chance that a uh, that clemson's 12 and 0 and they get upset by north carolina who's 9 and 3 in the ac title game and then now both teams are going to the playoff because you can't leave clemson out and but again like i said that's living in a fantasy world because there's so much money wrapped up in these conference championship
1: games, especially in the SEC, that they don't want to get rid of them. That's where I and so yeah, we we talked about this on this podcast that uh, conference championship games, it, you know, in a playoff format for college football are just redundant. They just don't make sense. Um, that in any that if you're a, if you're actually trying to have a playoff format that made sense, you would need to get rid of the conference championship games. You'd probably also need to get rid of divisions uh, in, in conferences as well. But that's not going to happen. Although I do wish somebody smarter than me could come up with some sort of proposal saying, "Hey, no, if you actually did, you know, drop the conference title games and you went to like a twenty-four team playoff like the FCS, you would actually make more money in the long run." I, I'm sure. In fact, I'm sure that's probably that's probably the case. Um, but I, I think but that would, the would S- still. But would the
0: SEC make more money in the long run? Because no, isn't the, that the, I. Isn't that the big the, the SEC the because they love their title game so much?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the bit, and the SC I mean, the SEC makes a ton of money off of that game, and that actually brings me to uh, Andy Staples wrote a really interesting column this week uh, talking about he was basically gaming out just in his head thinking because you know Greg Sankey said in the wake of all this saying that there's no guarantee that we're still going to support a 12 team thing when this when this comes up, and Andy Staples was is theorizing you know what is what is Sankey saying there like what's kind of his end game? could. Um, is, is he envisioning some sort of sec holding their own tournament and they just they basically say hey yeah it's going to be our guy up against the alliances guy at the end and that's the national championship game and he's thinking from a money perspective i'm sure like the sec could do that and they they keep all of that money they get all of the money from their own playoff and they don't have to share it with anybody else and in their mind they're thinking oh we're gonna make we would maybe make more money doing that than you know then coming to the table along with everybody else and sharing everything and you know if like we're, we're long past the time we're pretending like money doesn't r- you know run a lot of this and you know i could see that happening i think that i mean that would i would hate that so much i mean that would just i would despise that so i mean so, that'd be so terrible for the sport
0: so you're saying like the sec would put on their own Kind of playoff thing, or yeah. I think tournament? I, I think
1: his kind of his idea was the SEC. Maybe they have sixteen now. If they can poach, if they can poach four, uh, like eight more teams to get to twenty four teams, you you only play, you know, you play nine conference games, and then you know, so there's still technically if there's twenty four teams, there's still you know teams that you don't play, and then so yeah, and then hmm. you play a, a big tournament of SEC teams at the end. And then the winner of that goes up against whoever the other conferences put forth as their champion, and that's the national championship game. And um, I don't know. I mean, that sounds awful. That sounds that sounds utterly horrible. Yeah. But maybe it would be better, like you know, actually in reality, it sounds it sounds really boring to me.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. So wh- what other? It's like like why did this happen? Like I mean like like why couldn't you get an eleven nothing unanimous vote? We've already gone over a few of the reasons. You brought up you know Gene Smith apparently doesn't want on campus games. Uh, by the way, you said you already said. I'll just repeat. The ACC, the Pac twelve, and the Big Ten all voted against that twelve team proposal. What other reasons came up that that you know kind of had you going? Like we talked about automatic qualifiers being an issue. Uh, oh, okay. Here you go. Uh, you mentioned briefly, I believe you said the ACC commissioner was concerned about extra games, about playing additional games. And that, for me, I, I always find that to be a ridiculous reasoning, considering right now there's plenty of teams in college football at non FBS levels that are playing 15, 16, 17 games in the season. Nobody cares about that because nobody, it's not as popular as FBS. So that that's a non starter. Granted, those. The, the fcs division two Divi- whatever there's no conference title games so i mean you got to knock the conference title games off but i've just i've never yeah, felt like like too many games is a is a compelling argument whenever there's current college players that have been doing it for years playing all these games
1: yeah i, I it's not a it's not a compelling argument for me it, but like you know when i'm reading everything it, it almost feels like that's sort of just tacked on they put on there be you know they like they, they tack that on because the real reason is they just don't want to cede the power to the SEC and they want to put that out there the player safety because I mean that, that's pretty hard to to criticize right it's like oh you know what you criticize them it's like you're you're risking you know seeming insensitive to to kids or or, or whatever that how that how that argument would go but so yeah that I you know I'm not I don't think in the end that's really going to to be much of a needle mover. I, I don't think that's going to sway anybody one way or the other. The one area though, where I mean, that I can be that I'm fairly sympathetic to, if the ACC is going to come out and say, "Hey, we got we have bigger issues in college football than than how we decide our champion right now," that's that's what we should be focused on. Part of that is, you know, part of that is an argument for prioritizing something else that they find more important, um, which you know, I, I can be, you know and maybe it is just reality that hey this is this is a pretty bureaucratic um process and maybe they can really only take care of one thing at a time uh but also at the same time I live in the real world and if 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 there's a will there's a way and it just it just kind of feels like if you want to make it happen you can make it happen you just <laughs> if you 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 can juggle things if you want to you just kind of it feels like you're just deciding not to yeah
0: uh all right and you mentioned that a lot of uh, college football media, and and you follow this a lot closer than I do. Uh, It seems like a lot of people are writing the same columns. They're all kind of on the same page about this. And so we won't spend much time on this, but I just want to bring this up because in the past, you know, you and I, we've been kind of hard on a guy like Pat Forty. And, you know, I I texted you earlier today. I said, I just read Pat Forty's article about the whole playoff thing. And I agree with basically every single bit of it. (laughs) And I sent you the the meme of it's it's horrible the worst person you know just made a great point and you know it's like fair and balanced like guy makes a good point I'm I'm not gonna you know like yeah good on him like I read his article and I basically was like nodding my head like yeah okay yeah I get I get all this so anyways I just want to throw that out there just to to show that hey like if it's not that we don't like certain people like if, it's just certain ideas and stuff and we'll push back on things um, other than that anybody any other like college football media personality or pundit that
1: that you've heard anything from that stands out to you that you'd like to talk about i'm just putting it on the spot i not 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 really i mean there's been there's been quite a bit of conformity on this thing and i think um sort of there was there was quite a bit of excitement especially sort of in the in, in the media sphere when that news came out in the summer about about the 12 teamer i think a lot of people just got really excited about the idea of playing games on campus and I, th- I, I, think, I think that's the one thing right now that's the most disappointing is that there's there was something that cool within grasp, something that a lot of people have wanted to see for, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say a long time, but people have wanted to see, you know, ever since that idea has been a thing for a decade or so, people just, gosh, man, that's that sounds kind of awesome. And knowing that it felt like we're pretty close to that. And now knowing that it's, it's just, it's not, there's not even any sort of guarantee that that's going to be a thing post 2025 is sort of a kick in the nads right that sucks i was really i was really excited about 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 that concept that idea that would have been so great for the sport uh it would have been such a a shot in the arm and also too i think there there has especially um november in college football that just isn't as fun and 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 i do think that is that is the direct result of the 14 playoff um as as you know as, as much as you want to avoid silver bullet arguments I, I really do think the 14 playoff has made November just nowhere near as fun. The games, it's the games mean a lot, of course, for the people that are chasing those four spots. But the games, the other games, just have such have the importance on them has just the shine has come off of them big time, and that's that's just that's too bad. So anything that we can do to be playing more meaningful games to make more games feel like a massive deal to those programs i think it's something that we should be doing because the playoff genie is not being put back into the bottle it's it's just not where there's going to be a playoff in the sport and i think we need to find the sweet spot of of still making the regular season feel important still feeling that urgency and and i just only like right now only six or seven teams are feeling that in november and that's i don't i don't think that's good i don't think that's sustainable for the sport
0: so i I'm with you mostly, and it, it leads me to this next point. And I, anytime that there's conformity and there's a lot of agreement on something, and you say in this particular issue, I mean, heck, you and I are on the same page. I mean, heck, even a guy that we make fun of all the time, Pat Forty's on the same page. I mean, all these – everyone is pro-expansion. They want a bigger playoff. And we've talked about it over and over and over again on this podcast throughout the years. But anytime that happens, though, I, I want to take a step back and think, okay, I, I don't want to fall for something here. Like whenever there's this much unanimity and conformity, I always like to t- try to take a st- take a step back and think, are we missing something? Maybe like, are, is it possible that we're too bought into the idea of playoff expansion? Like is there another way, like I think we all agree that play uh, that college football could be better. Is there another way? to make college football better that we're just not seeing, that we're not creative enough to see, because I know there's people out there that aren't into playoff expansion, but they also want play uh, college football to be better. Um, I, so I, I just I want to use this time, and again, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's another, another way to make it better, but I just want to put it out there and say that I am thinking about it. what if we're missing something here? Because, again, when everybody's in agreement, it kind of makes me take a step back and think,
1: hmm, may, maybe we're missing something here yeah that's smart I think it's smart you know I think um but you know what would that be though like you know I every like I'll I'll be I'll be totally honest with you I you know I don't really like the 14 playoff it's um now that we've had I think we've had eight iterations of it now I, I don't I don't really like it I, I don't think it works very well I don't think uh I think and maybe maybe this is just a small snapshot in time and I'm and and maybe we're all overreacting maybe like I and Part of me even still thinks to myself, gosh, this is what Nick Saban is doing to college football. Like his, his level of dominance at Alabama has, has set off this sense of urgency in everyone else. And like this, like we're still seeing the consequences of all of that. Um, It's, it's probably not that simple, but um, I'll be honest with you. Like, I mean, if we're not, if we're not going to go to 12 teams or 16 teams or 24 teams, there's absolutely part of me that wishes we just go back to the old, the old thing where we just, where it was just, we just had, we just picked two teams to play in the national title at the end of the year. OU's chances of winning a national title would certainly be way better under that system than they are under a playoff. Um, I, you know, it's just the, I, there's, the four-team playoff at the end of the season, it should not suck the life out of the sport like it does. But it does. And I think we need to figure out why that's the case. Like, so wh- have- why? Why?
0: I, I think your you know your take on that is is shared by a lot of people like I mentioned Petros Papadakis I think on the last podcast we were talking about Lincoln Riley and I one of his bits all throughout bowl season when I would listen to him on on that podcast radio podcast one of his bits was always that every every bowl game he watched he would make fun of the fact that every halftime show people would just talk about the playoff talk about Cincinnati talk about Alabama Georgia uh, Michigan and, and everyone would just talk about the playoff and it was because every game was on ESPN for the most part ESPN has it and he just made fun of the fact that like oh like, we should be talking about the current game that's happening here and granted I mean they would talk about it for a, a block maybe but every single time you know and they would talk about the playoff coming up and then during the game you know that he would always make fun of how they would talk about hey who, who do you got Cincinnati or you got Michigan like and people and so to your point it was all eyes on these these two playoff games, and obviously the national title game, and and I'm with you. Like, I I see how that's an issue that can take the suck the life out of it. I I just to on my side, I don't care about that that much. I to, like I I like the playoff the way it is now. It can be better, but any anything that adds more games, I'm for. Uh, the idea of going back to the BCS system, I am not interested in that. Uh, granted, I wish. Here's the thing, it's difficult for me because the BCS existed basically up until what was it? 2013, 2014. And sure, 2014 I, was the was the first year of the playoff. Okay, so 2013 and that's like right our entire childhood up until like very early adulthood for the most part. And so most of my my thoughts when it comes to the BCS aren't very smart. I mean, I was a kid. I I didn't think much about it. I wasn't as dialed into it as I am now. And so all of my thoughts on the playoff have happened since i've been a more sentient adult following college football and i i like this idea so what i'm trying to say is i wish maybe i had the same exact experience with the bcs as an adult as i did as i do now with the playoff because then i'd have a better you know i'd be better to compare the two to see which one i like more by default i think cuz it's recency bias and i like the idea of more games i like the current mm-hmm. system better than before i don't want to go back but I, I want us to have more meaningful games at the same time. I I, I want there to be more teams involved. Uh, but I I do think that you're not the only person that thinks that the life is being sucked out of the sport because of the playoff, because it you you see it. I mentioned Petros, he sees it. And it is kind of a drag that everything's on ESPN and they just they always bring it back to these playoff games. And if you don't have a team in these games, you don't like you don't care. You're like, I I don't
1: care. Talk about my team or talk about the current game. Sorry, go ahead. And and you know, and this is also I you know when OU like when it it's and I I hate that this is the case, but it I in 2020 when OU was out of it, OU was out of it at you know at the beginning of October. I cared less. I did. It, and like and I, you know, relative to other things, I still cared an unhealthy amount about <laughs> OU football. But it didn't but it it those games didn't have the same pull to them it it just wasn't the same and and that's and like that is different than than other years when they when their national championship hopes were dashed early in the season which happened a lot like i i remember i was reflecting on this uh just last week in 2005 lee they went seven and four in the regular season they only played 11 regular season games that year uh that was you know that was it was a transition season they kind of got uh they they ended the the season i think winning five of their last six uh the only game they lost was on a, the screw job in lubbock against texas tech on, on a couple of controversial calls or whatever that season i still remember being just caring very deeply about OU just getting to the cotton bowl that year because i knew that that was that was the bowl that the second place team in the big 12 went to and i was like even even that they were having a down year i was still really i still really cared about them getting to the cotton bowl the year after that you know we it it sucks that ou was you know in that fiesta bowl against boise state that everybody you know considers one of the best games of all time but that game meant something you and i were watching that game together in our living room when uh when when marcus walker picked six of that thing with a, with 90 seconds to go to take the lead you and i were going insane and that was in a Fiesta Bowl that didn't mean any, that game didn't mean anything, like at all. And that's that's kind of that's gone. And then and then, and then I fast forward to, just you know their Cotton Bowl win against Florida last season. There that that there was no joy in that game whatsoever, none at all. Well, I got like, a There was.
0: I mean, I, I got a theory for you. I mean, you're referencing things that happened when we were in high school, and nostalgia. I, it may be nostalgia. I, I think. It may be when you're a kid. I. You're going to be more into something because you got more time on your hands. I mean, I used to be way more into baseball, not as much anymore. I mean, I used to watch as many White Sox games as possible. I like the White Sox. Last year they made the playoffs; they were one of the best teams. I I didn't watch a game all year. I just I think as you get older, and obviously like baseball and football are, are different. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm still very much into football. I just think as you get older, I mean, uh, your 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 love and your no matter what, it's going to kind of just dwindle because you just kind of get jaded and time goes by and you, you kind of you've seen the same stuff over and over again. It'd be curious to see what happens this year, because now we have a, a transition. We have a new coach. Venables is going to bring more life into the program. We have no idea how that's going to go. But, you know, how much of it was we're adults now, we're older um, you know, what if what if you were a junior in high school during the 2020 season and, and the oh, you went on that, whatever they won what the last nine games or something? Um, maybe that Cotton Bowl and beating down Florida, maybe you would have been more into it because you were still kind of young and like, yeah, like, boom, what's going to happen next year? Like, yeah, like, but as an adult, maybe and, you know, it just it wasn't the same. I don't know. it So I think that that could be a, another reason, not necessarily the the playoff for kind of you're changing feelings towards the way you look at some of your games
1: getting really getting really introspective here on west of everest this is uh i I mean i think this is it makes me wonder it's just like ah, ash is are all of these people you know clamoring for change and and all of that stuff is it is the same phenomenon happening is everyone does everyone in this involved in this conversation just love college football so much that they just they thirst for something new or they thirst for that nostalgia and they're going to do anything they can to capture that is that why everyone just wants to change things over and over again? Yeah. I don't, I'm sure there's, I'm sure that's part of it. I mean, to me, it's just like kind of the end result is always just, I, you know, do a playoff just like everyone else. Like, people love college football. Just make more important games. Like, it's not that hard. Um, yeah, and, and... But, you know, I don't know. I think, you know, and, and just kind of going back, you know, to get more on track, talking about the playoff thing, because I, I just, you know, if we're going to talk about feelings and stuff like that, you know, I always go back to the Rose Bowl and i think you know this is uh i i think that is maybe an under reported thing an underreported reported you know thing that, that i think is going to be an issue going forward um and like i'm coming you know i'm coming from that from a totally emotional standpoint i went to, that, that game was a transcendent experience that was that was the best sporting event i have ever been to ever and it's not even remotely close and then so like that's it's going to be emotionally it's going to be a lot harder for me to just be like okay yeah let's move on from the rose bowl to get to this this bigger playoff that we want big part of me is like nah i mean this is if you've been to that thing you know it's special and we like we really shouldn't just toss things aside that special well you also went to the rose bowl and so that's year when it was a playoff game
0: i'm sure before the playoff it was
1: but i'm also coming at it from the you know from the angle of like, so let's go back to you know I, I graduated from the university of minnesota back in 2019 um they had probably their best team in, in school history the entire program's history um with rashad bateman and tyler johnson and antoine winfield jr they went they went 10 and two they were they were one win away at the end of the season beating wisconsin one win away from playing in the big 10 championship game and in that big 10 championship game lee they would have been playing for a trip to the Rose Bowl or the college football playoff. Just one of those two things. And if they would have won the Big Ten title game against Ohio State, they would have gone to the playoff, obviously. But if they would have lost, they just would have gone to the Rose Bowl. And so that end-of-season game against Wisconsin, that, was, that game was essentially for the Rose Bowl. You know, because Ohio State had Justin Fields. They weren't going to beat Ohio State. I remember that, that entire week leading up to that game. The hypothetical went, went around the fan base. People were talking about it, but like, what, what would you prefer to happen if we beat Wisconsin in this game? Would you prefer to also have a, like a program-significant historical upset and beat Ohio State and then go to the college football playoff, or would you rather lose and just go to the Rose Bowl? Overwhelming. People would have rather lost and gone to the Rose Bowl. Like I mean, over I mean, almost a hundred percent of people would have they, they were just thinking to themselves, "Okay, we just need to beat Wisconsin in that game, and we are going to the Rose Bowl, and that is something that we have never seen before, and that's all we want, that's all we care about." Like this, even 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 the idea, the kernel of an idea of a possibility of winning a national title, do not care. Yeah, no, I, I just want to go to the Rose I get Bowl. It. That like that may be something that may be something that doesn't make any sense at all to people. In the Big Twelve, the SEC or the ACC, in Big Ten, in Big Ten country for sure. I guess I can't speak for Pac-12. That is absolutely a force that is going to have to be dealt with because well, it's, it's mean, powerful. You know why? It's it, it's big in the Big Ten because they want to go to Southern
0: California in January. That's why they want to go to a warm weather place.
1: No, I. But seriously, so you're saying that's you're saying that's that's, that's the one. I mean, that's part definitely to that. part I, that, of the appeal. No, here's
0: here's the thing. I mean, my issue with this like. I, they're not gonna get rid of the Rose Bowl. It's just like just have some flexibility. Like the the Rose Bowl, and like, it's not a big yes, deal. Like absolutely, like, the Rose Bowl is not cool because it happens New Year's Day. That's not why it's cool. The Rose Bowl is cool because of the setting and the game. Who gives a crap about the Rose Bowl parade? Nobody cares about yes, that, if, except for the people that run the Rose Bowl parade.
1: If the Rose Bowl happens at at 1.30 Pacific time in January, it's going to look the same on TV as, as it does on New Year's Day. That, and that, that's kind of where I'm getting to, whereas the Rose Bowl is going to have to compromise here, too. They're going to have to compromise with either their New Year's Day slot or the Big Ten Pac-12 thing. That's that's a You can't have both of those. You can't have both of those. And, I, and I've said numerous times my, my ideal vision. The Rose Bowl should be the national championship of college football. Uh, that's just where it should be. Um, if if they want to make the playoffs so that it always falls on January first, like great, do that. But you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that at all. Just make sure that make sure that the Rose Bowl is the national championship game sometime in January on a day where they can kick off at 1.30 in the afternoon, Pacific time. Yeah, why there can't you go. The Rose Bowl. Why can't I'm sorry, two thirty. I think it is
0: January fifteenth. Who cares? Like it's the whole point of the Rose Bowl is that you're playing at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> it's a, like again I, the
1: reason I, I, I get it, tradition is a thing I get it but uh, like, and I also don't think I I do think human beings in general should be cautious with just throwing away tradition because that you know that you know that that moors you to a lot of different things in life and so like it's just it's I, I would like for the Rose Bowl to be on New Year's Day if 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 the if the Rose Bowl's existence if if that it like if if the rose bowl will cease to exist if they won't come off of that new year's day time slot then i'm willing to compromise
0: yeah and i'm with you tradition's important it's just like why is the rose bowl a thing that people care about is it because it's on new year's day is it because of the parade i don't know why do people love their children why do like people main have the the reason why it's a thing <laughs> is because of the football game that takes place at the rose bowl that is the thing that gets people to the television set that gets people going, so I get that it's always on New Year's Day. That's part of the tradition as well. But like, if you're gonna go, the levels of the importance, the most important thing is the game being played at the Rose Bowl, which can happen at any time. the The least important parts is like what, I just, what day it's on, what time sure. it starts. Who cares?
1: Sure, I, I guess. Yeah, I think. But and there is like, I you're you know how you're talking about how like that stuff just doesn't really. There is absolutely a there's a contingent of people within this argument who feel, who feel exactly like you are, who are just like, you know, why is this, why is this game that only matters the two conferences holding up this stuff? And like, I, I guess I, I'm just trying to explain where it comes no, no, I from. I get that. And like, I, I, it's the, the people who are arguing in favor of the Rose bowl, think it, think literally it is the best athletic event sure, on planet Earth. Sure. And-, and, and like, I, I kind of agree. I, it's, it's, until you get there, like, it's hard to describe how utterly beautiful it is and, like, how much it changes. You. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those sites. So, like, that's, that, that's something that you have to compete with. And that's, like, I, you know, that means a lot to a lot of different people.
0: Okay, the last question I have for you when we're talking the most recent playoff news from last week is uh, Oklahoma. Let's make this – hey, let's talk about Oklahoma because this is Oklahoma football podcast. So we find out that they're not going to expand the playoff, and for the next four years, it's at four teams. Doesn't it make sense now for Oklahoma to stay in the Big 12 as long as they can until the, the media rights agreement runs out, I think, after I think the 2024 season, maybe? Because if it's only a fourteen team playoff, it makes sense to stay in the Big 12. I
1: think from... I mean, I think from a, it depends on what premise you're operating from. I mean, I think if you're, if you're operating from a, we want to make a play, we want to make the playoff, then yeah. I mean, I think it, it makes sense to say in the big, in the big 12, from a resources standpoint, from a money standpoint, I think it makes sense to get over as fast as you possibly can. It just depends on how, on how you look at it. Me personally, I'm start like, you know, remember when, when this, when this thing was first announced, when it first leaked in the summer, you and I were really excited and, and, Part of me is still really... I mean, that, the new schedule that comes at the SEC is, is going to be awesome. There's going to be no way I'm not going to be excited about that. Um, but as, we got, as, as we've gotten further in the process and, it, and it's looking like, you know, this thing isn't just happening right away, right? And like the more that Greg Sankey talks, the more that the SEC is... The more that the SEC just SECs all over everything, the competitive side of me is just like, man, screw those guys. I don't want to go freaking join those guys. But also, you know, you, you kind of have to keep your, your eye on the prize and realize, I mean, this is, this is about getting your program to, to like what it can be from a resource standpoint. It's not, you know, and unfortunately, all of the issues with the Big 12 and, and, and the challenges that that brings aren't just going to go away. But there is a part of me that's just like, gosh, man, I, there's a part of me that thinks to self, I think maybe Brent Venables and this staff can recruit at like at a Clemson level here. And man, it would feel really good to be able to do that outside of the SEC, outside of the resources, and still go and be. Exactly, beat them. exactly. Just from, like, that's, from a, a total pure emotional standpoint, that's where I'm at right now. That is my ideal, perfect world. They're going to the SEC. Stopping, nothing is stopping that train. That's happening. Part of me is, is, is starting to get kind of sad that that is happening. And maybe it is just a, maybe it's just, it, it's holding on to something, you know, that's, that is that is here right now, but won't be in the future. I don't know, uh, but yeah, a big part of it is like screw. That. I don't want to join these guys. Screw these guys. Uh, no,
0: I mean I, my, my whole. I'm just coming from the 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 stance of making a playoff, and you know you got to stay in the Big Twelve because it gives you a better chance. I understand the resources, money, of course. Yeah, you'll make more in the SEC. I'm curious. I saw I put this out on Twitter last week, and and somebody said, no, nah, you got go to go the SEC right away. Uh, because of the recruiting and okay like we talked about that a lot whenever this came out about how like oh that's like the big thing right like the the comp, that that patch on your chest like what can lincoln riley do recruiting in the sec can he finally get those extra guys that maybe oklahoma has been lacking okay like now it's Britt venables and todd bates is already out on the trail doing some things uh, miguel chavis is getting a lot of good reviews uh, Oklahoma has. I mean, we'll see what Jeff Levy can do with recruiting. I know there's a lot of uh, buzz about this quarterback they got from oh, what the class of 2023 20, or 24 that people like a lot. the 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 Arch Maley class.
1: He's like, uh, uh yeah, uh, um, yeah, Arnold, uh, the Gr- uh, Jackson Arnold, and I almost said Grayson Arnold. I don't know why, but yeah, Jackson Arnold. Um, I like him a lot.
0: So, okay, so. I'm kind of curious right. to see what – I mean, as you said it, Clemson was able to get guys to Clemson. Granted, I mean, they weren't ever a number one recruiting class, and sometimes they were out of the top ten with Dabo there. But, I mean, they were still competing at you know the, the highest level. I'm kind of curious, like, maybe could Venable still recruit pretty damn well in the Big 12? Obviously, it's going to be better in the SEC, but uh, I don't know if the recruiting part of it is as – I don't know. We'll see. I, I guess it's easy to say whenever Oklahoma just closed a, a top 10 class, you know, maybe Venables' first full year at OU, maybe it's going to drop and I'll, I'll be thinking, oh, going to the SEC sooner definitely would help. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's it's more of a TBD, but I guess I'm basing my whole thing of of, of it off the playoff. If, the best chance to make the playoff is staying in the Big 12 as long as I can.
1: Yeah, and there's also, I, part of me, I just you know, I, I think it would be fun if they if OU and Texas were still in the Big 12 for a couple years when they're like when BYU and UCF come, I mean, that would be fun as hell. Like, yeah. How, you know, that last how, year. I mean, that would yeah. be like OU is playing and like, how cool would that be if they get a taste of that and then they go straight to the SC? I mean, that would be, that'd be like a, you know, a handful of seasons in a row that you have a pretty fresh schedule and oh, yeah. some new things because this is actually something that, and I didn't even, um, it didn't, I didn't even realize it until uh, I was listening to, to Gabe and Teddy's podcast, their most recent one, but Gay just, just laid it out about OU's home schedule for this upcoming season. Their home schedule is embarrassing. I mean, it's awful. <laughs> it's like a UTEP, Kent State, Kansas State, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. I mean, that's the home schedule. Now, I think, ironically enough, I think there's a decent chance that Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State are, you know, teams maybe two through four in the Big 12 next year. And all of them are coming to Norman. So, you know, maybe... But still, though, like, that's not... Those teams are not going to... The the buzz is not going to be super great in those, you know, in the stadium for those. Even if those teams come in with a good pedigree. Like, because it's just... It's... Yeah, it's great. You know, Baylor is 8-1 and and number 7 in the country. But it's... But it's still Baylor. Like, and that shouldn't be the case. But everyone knows that that's that's the reality. Yeah, what you're describing right here is is
0: another example of why it's such a great thing actually that all this stuff happened with Lincoln Riley because what's going to make this season interesting no matter you know because our schedule is so Big 12y is it's going to be new because of Brent Venables and Jeff LeBby and the whole coaching staff. Like that's what will it'll make things feel
1: different though at least. How at s- least. how awesome would it be if there's if like I mean talking game 1 when UTEP is when they're playing UTEP and there's just an immediate difference and we just <laughs> see it right away. I think it's possible, but
0: I'm also a sunshine pumper when it comes to Brent Venables right now, and I'll admit that. Um, but I'm, I'm taking a lot of cues from guys like Teddy Lehman, who is obviously incredibly biased as well. <laughs> Granted, he played for the guy, and he owes like, his career to him. Uh, but also, Teddy, I think he's a really good broadcaster who knows his stuff. So, yes, I think he understands that he's a biased Oklahoma supporter that went to the school and played for Venables. But uh, you know, I, I don't think he's going to just shoot off at the mouth. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm taking a lot of cues from those people, but it's possible, man. Like I, I don't know. Like again, we're we're trying to convince ourselves of things that may or may not happen. And at this time in February, there's no way of knowing what's going to happen. So, in my estimation, yeah, it's let's all just, just keep it
1: positive. It's all just yeah. It's all just speculation. I, should we um should we get in on the um kind of seems like the the content farm for all the other OU podcasts in the last week or so is them uh. <laughs> making hay on on some um on just sort of just kind of like this this weird influx of of negative perception amongst the national media for ou and i think like a lot you know uh last week like a lot of like coaching grades came out last week that had brent venables you know kind of in the middle of the pack and all of them of course had lincoln riley's a plus a plus hires and I think there was a uh, the Cover Three podcast. Uh, I know Ted and Gabe, or Teddy and Ga- uh, Teddy and Gabe spent a long time talking about this. I know you know they they, they talked about this on some other podcasts as well. Um, <laughs> but they were they were just kind of speculating. I know one of them was speculating whether they're not even sure that Brent Venables would even make it to the SEC. <laughs> I think it was uh, one of them, Bud Elliott, was 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 comparing OU's move to the SEC. It could be a lot like Maryland going to the Big Ten. Or uh, he he used some other I or I think Missouri to the SEC was his other comparison and Man, uh, I mean Teddy sort of went off on that one and that that's a ter- that's an awful take that's a terrible take we don't really that's that's pretty low hanging fruit but uh, well, I don't know do you have any takes I mean, just like on sort of because there is I mean this is stuff that I you know I I eat up a lot of this offseason stuff and you it's pretty hard to find anybody who has any sort of national voice in college football that is th- that is outwardly saying, yeah, I think, OU could be pretty good next year, maybe even better than they were this year. You're not really finding anyone who thinks that.
0: So this is interesting because you're breaking all this news to me because I just don't follow this stuff. I, I, I just don't. I guess I just don't care. Uh, and that's, I guess, not surprising. But also uh, it's I always say you know, one of us is going to be right. Uh, either we're going to be right and all these other people are going to be wrong, or there's, there's some in between. There's some gray area there. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe preventables won't make it to the SEC. I mean, before Lincoln Riley showed up, remember all those down uh, losing seasons Oklahoma was having under Bob Stoops? I mean, the five and sevens and you know, missing bowl games <laughs> and not winning the Big 12. I, like, for, I mean, Lincoln totally Riley forgot turned about turned the program around. So, I mean, he's gone now. I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, people forget this. Oklahoma went winless in 2012 and 2013. People forget that. They didn't win a game. They lost every game in those seasons. And then finally I mean, they yeah, won a Lance- couple and then 2015 they got Lincoln Riley and the offense finally was able to average at least two touchdowns a game. So, I mean, again, we've already, we've all forgot about that. We've all forgot about that, but th- these people might have a point.
1: <laughs> that was yeah. um I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's just kind of where it you know there's a reason like blue bloods are a blue blood for a reason it's because it's just I, I i can't remember who said it but it was just OU refuses to be bad at football the university well, of oklahoma that just time in the 90s but yeah but that was mediocre. just but they were bad for four years and then because they refused to be bad they weren't anymore so is this the only podcast and I'm sure people around Oklahoma
0: media have said versions of this. But honestly, I haven't heard anybody else say it. Like, are we the only people that have said that Britt Venables is by far the most qualified first-time head coach ever? Like, has anybody oh, else brought no. that up?
1: No, no, definitely not. They that's um I think, yeah, they were or at least I I guess I this is more recency bias. I, I was listening to Gabe and Teddy and that I mean that was whole Teddy went on an entire spiel. It's actually kind of Teddy made me feel better for when I kind of lose my cool on this on this podcast because he sort of he sort of lost it a little bit and he's bringing up exactly the same thing you are just about how you know the history of success is not just a you know the history of success at OU is not just something that you you thump your chest with and you use as an argumentative piece it's it's there because it's it's a thing o- Oklahoma is an established program we like a lot of the time in, in college football. Your care level absolutely determines how much you're going to win. OU has has the second or third best track of success in the history of college football, depending on who you ask, because we care, because we want it to be that way, because it means a lot to the state of Oklahoma, to the people who support the program. And like it's just... And I, I, I think, yeah, Teddy's point essentially was, you have a lot of people who this stuff cares a lot. You know, they care a lot about this. This means a lot to them. And their vibes right now about the program are really positive. They're not just blowing smoke up, you know, up people's backsides. Like, this means a lot to people. And people are, are, like, Oklahoma is not just okay with mediocrity. And so I think... That's sort of where a lot of us are coming from. And so when we think of Brent Venables, it's pretty easy to jump to the conclusion that this guy is going to work out. One, of course, we can point to his you know, his his lengthy track record. Like I think you said on this podcast, probably the best resume for any first time head coach ever, probably stepping in.
0: It's it's gotta be because nobody waits that long, if they're that good, to take a
1: head coaching job. <laughs> yeah, and and there's just and there, and there, I mean, there were, You know, when they were going after Brent, there was part of me that was just like, yeah, I mean, that's just sort of the no brainer to do. But there was part of it that that felt uninspired to me, for sure. He's every single time that guy is in front of a camera, he wins me over. That was always my one part about him that I was unsure about. I was like, okay, how, can this guy connect to some, you know, connect with people? Because the Brent Venables I remember from when he was there, he was the guy on the sideline who is, you know, who's chewing guys on the sideline and always has the scary faces. And I think it's it's like great. You see like we've seen a totally different side of him. We've seen we hear the reports about how well he's connecting with people on the recruiting trail. Which I mean, you know, which is what we heard all the time about Lincoln Riley, and then we found out that Lincoln Riley doesn't, like doesn't have any social skills. It's weird. Like I don't <laughs> and <laughs> Um and so like that's great. And then did you see that? Did you see the, the social media stuff that everyone was kind of freaking out about last, last week? They put out the video of him saying it's not good enough when he was doing like the whole the team meeting um yeah i I saw that video and like it's great like you and and i feel like that was the first time since he's been hired at ou that i got to see the brent venables that i remember from my childhood it's like he's talking he's giving this impassioned speech and then in the middle of it he just he he goes into like this demonic voice and i'm just like oh god i was like how often did they hear that stuff under the lincoln riley regime and like as and, you know, there's definitely a part of me, right, that sort of kind of rolls my eyes at a lot of that, like, kind of football guy type stuff. I, I, I feel like there's just enough I, enough evidence out there now. to like, I have to concede. There obviously is a hard-nosed edge side of football that you cannot ignore, period. And anything that you have to do to get that edge out of the guys in front of you, you have to do it. Like, I, I think that's very clear. Football is very violent. You have to go through lots of pain to get to the end of a game. And, I, you know, anything you got to do to get that edge out, it, I, you know, I'm all for it. Because, like, obviously that was something that was missing under the last guy. I think that's... And admittedly, the last guy was definitely more of my style. Definitely more of the quiet, calculated genius type. And you can't... That just can't... That can't be all that you are.
0: Yeah, so that video you're referencing, if you go to the OU's Twitter account, the football, it's they've pinned it to the top, and it's not just him, you know, yelling and kind of showing that side of him. The message with you know that, that he brings to these guys is super important, not just for football. And this is one of those things that it takes a Brent Venables, and not just a Brent Venables, just any of us that you get older and you learn about things in life. It's a message that as a kid you don't quite get, but as you get older in everything, it makes sense. And I. I'm looking at it right now, just this quick little sentence line of the commitment that you have, the commitment that you make has to exceed whatever that whatever your goal is. the commitment that you make has to exceed that goal, which I think is something that i, I don't I've never heard a version of that before really I mean, it makes sense like if your commitment to something is so strong even more than your goal then chances are you're probably going to accomplish that goal and then just drive right past to the next goal and so it's so hard all the day-to-day things you have to do not just to play football but just in life to be good at everything or be in good shape or good health or be a good people person be a good family person if your commitment to it is greater than whatever you're trying to get out of it you're probably going to be a pretty good person and going to be pretty good at things and I think that message that Brent Venables is giving out in that video, that's the most important part to me. And uh, yeah, I, I, again, we're, we have a little bit of sour grapes because of the last, not a little bit, the last, not a little regime. bit. I would
1: mean, bake a lot of grapes, a lot, lot of grapes in there, an entire bottle of wine, probably more, <laughs> <Okay>. maybe <laughs> an entire yeah. cask, uh, 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 some, some spoiled wine, but we've provided lots of evidence
0: on this show over the years of, of why, like the culture is not really where it needs to be and kind of where it's, it's lacking. And this is a big reason that I've used about why I'm so positive about Brent Venables. Yeah, of course, his experience, his coaching acumen. But also, man, this, this whole program, even though they're winning Big 12 titles and making playoffs, it, it needs a culture shock. It needs a culture change. And a, a big reason why I feel comfortable and confident about that is listening to guys like Gabe Eichert and Teddy Lehman on their podcast the last year, because they've basically said versions of that as well. And so if these guys that played at OU are thinking that, saying that around it, then it kind of makes me think like, okay, I, th- I think I'm seeing it as well.
1: Lee, do you remember um, kind of last year around this time? OU, I mean, they just won what nine in a row or eight in a row in the season. They just beaten up on Florida. A lot of people were kind of inserting them as as preseason number one or, you know, at least preseason top two or three or you know, one of the best chances of, of winning a national title. Remember what we said on this podcast? We said that if OU is gonna win a national title in two thousand and twenty one, it's going to be won in February and in March and in April and 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 all of these months leading up to when nobody is watching. It's gonna be one in the mm-hmm. weight room and all of the work and all of the film study that they're gonna do in the off season. And um and I, I you know I think it's that was kind of prophetic because I think, you know, it's based on some of the stuff that we heard coming out of the program a lot of that stuff didn't happen in in the last offseason and i bring that up just because i want to show you something that uh this is something that todd bates tweeted out uh yesterday i believe it that was monday of this week and it's a picture of brent venable's uh just he's he's standing around the team and they're all huddled together and then there's this quote and it says championships are won when the stands are empty you have to fall in love with the preparation you have to love the grind Now, if like, you know, that's that's a message, right? If you've if you follow Tom Brady for the last 20 years, that's a message that you've heard in some sort of form. Right. But Mm -hmm. isn't that kind of refreshing to like, you know, after especially after what we just saw this past year, how refreshing is it to see that to see that knowing what they needed to do at this time last year that it seemed like they failed to do? And now that's, that's one of the very first messages it looks like that is being preached. That if you want to win, if you want to be elite, it is, it is going to be when nobody is watching. It's going to be when you're, when you're in Everest, when you're just with all your teammates suffering, getting your butt kicked. Like that's when yeah. you win that thing. Like Georgia, hard, Georgia won their national championship. They probably got their you-know-what's kicked all of February and March last year. And they had nothing but each other to, ha- to hang on and to lean on. And it gets
0: to the point to where you do all of this and you, the, their big slogan is, I'm sure you've seen, is championship strain. And it's so hard and you work so hard. And it gets to the point where if you do everything right, those Saturdays in the fall, that's the easy time. That's the fun time. It's all worth it. And you can have a good time and you can, you can beat the crap out of people because you did more work than they did. And, I mean, this is a version of what every single college football team Says they want to do in the off season and tries to do, and not even college football, any sport. But you know, you, again, sunshine pumper, glass half full. You 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 want to believe that right now, this is different than it has been the last five years. This time of year, it's different, and it, or at least it's it's definitely different uh, for the first time since you know, twenty seventeen. The last time Jerry Schmidt was. Uh, <laughs> was working at OU the first year of Riley. And then obviously you throw Britt Venables and, and the new coaching staff in there. That's going to be very, very different. But yeah, I'm looking at the quote as well. Uh, I, I can't wait to talk to Todd Bates for the first time. We get a chance to him because he seems like the most positive guy ever. I follow him on Twitter and you, you probably do as well. But uh, uh, yeah, he always tweets out the things like this, the quotes and pictures. And he always seems like he has a smile on his face I can just based off of this, I can see why he's able to
1: recruit <laughs> recruit guys <laughs> yeah, at this uh, this age, kind of where I'm at. I definitely appreciate positivity, especially people who just kind of radiate it without seemingly without a lot of effort. That's something I really appreciate because there's not it doesn't to, seem fake because it's hard. It seems genuine. that's hard to do. It's it, it's pretty hard to be that genuine, you know, day in and day out. And that's, you know, that's something I always appreciate. But no, I've I I, I don't follow him on Twitter. I I don't. I try to keep my followers to a Twitter. minimum. I'm cool like that. Yeah, he's, he hasn't. You know,
0: maybe the maybe if he gets a five signs a five star D lineman, then maybe he will start following him. That's kind of the standard. I just
1: I just don't know. I just don't really know what Todd Bates could ever tweet out. That of course, of course, I just read one of his tweets. Uh, but like, <laughs> I don't really know whatever he like whatever he would ever tweet out. Like, I feel like a lot of the time he's just gonna be tweeting like pictures of like from recruits like living rooms and stuff like that. And like honestly, I do not care about that.
0: All right, let's finish up with some Facebook comments and questions from the West of Everest Facebook page. First off, I want to address Harry's comment. Uh, Harry, thanks for commenting on the West of Everest Facebook page. Harry wants to know if we've heard anything about the spring game, if we've heard about a date or a kickoff time. Unfortunately, I have not. I haven't even heard about a a start of spring practice, which, I mean, we're going to be getting close to there. But I want to say, man, last year it started super late. I want to say spring ball started super late. I don't know if that's just a Lincoln Riley thing or if, if every school can decide. It have been a COVID to thing Maybe too. Maybe
1: it was a COVID thing. Yeah, they were trying to, yeah. So I don't know when that's going to start. Uh, uh, Gabe I, specifically said, Gabe Eichert specifically said on their podcast, I think it was yesterday, so their, their Monday or Sunday podcast, he just said that the spring practice is not starting until after spring break. So I th- spring break is in a few weeks, I think, I would guess. Spring break is yeah, always March Madness. There's been March
0: times madness. whenever I don't know if it's always that, but or maybe it is. I don't know. I, and there's been times where they've started spring ball in Riley, and then they've gone into spring break, which is kind of bizarre. Like they would start practice and they'd have a week off. But okay, so that's there you go. Uh,
1: I, I figure those guys would have more of an inside into the program when it would start. But I, uh, a couple know, other comments. We, you you oh. and I both went to the spring game last year. I would I would assume I will probably. Go to the spring game again this year. That'll be the first time we get to see Brent Venable's football team.
0: Yeah, I wonder how his spring game format's going to be. I wonder if he's going to do anything unusual, or I guess we'll, we'll find out. Uh, all right, a couple of comments from the Facebook couple of questions. So I think we might have mentioned this a few episodes ago, but it was at the very end, and we did it really quick. So I'll, we'll just do maybe a little more expansion on it now. Michael asks, what position group are you most excited to see with a new coach? And I think didn't you mention DB's Yeah, defensive backs crazy? Just because
1: of yeah defense because OU's defensive backs have all have, have pretty much sucked for the last 12 to 13 years.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I'll go a little different just to be different.'ll say I'll say linebackers, because I've heard about Brent Venables being a great linebacker coach, which I'm assuming he'll be helping out a lot there. And, you know, Brian Odom seems like a great guy, but I don't know if any of the linebackers got any better between 2020 and 2021. I, I, and in fact, I, I mean, a guy like David Agwebu disappeared, so I mean, I, he might have regressed. So I want to see how the linebackers
1: play. This shit. I'm I'm excited to see the entire defense. I and I'm yeah the entire. Defense. But you know when I when I single out the DBs, it's mostly just because I'm really interested to see just how it all shakes out. Because like I you know I feel like there's I feel like we can pencil in Woody Washington and Key Lawrence. I think those two guys are going to be in in you know one of the five best. Two of those I think you know two of those guys are going to be in there. Who else is it going to be? Like I think you can make cases for every like a lot of different people. You know my I. My hope is that Billy Bowman is included in that, you know, in that, in that tier. You would, you would hope DJ Graham is, you would hope he takes a step, but also will guys like CJ Colden push DJ Graham? Will, you know, a guy like Connie Walker coming from, from Louisville be able to do that? Or guys like Josh Eaton will be able to come in and maybe play, um, you know, we, I think Trey Morrison is a guy for sure who is probably going to be in the, in the mix there just because that's he's, the
0: thing, man. All these transfer defensive backs, really I mean, this is the perfect situation to come into because everybody is on the same plane. Brand new coaching staff, brand new defense. There's not going to be anybody that's going to be, you know, thought of as a you know, thought of ahead of another person. I mean, this is about as clean of a slate as you can get as a transfer player. Yeah, I think to, to win a starting job, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think like, you know, if I'm if if you know all of my dreams are realized, you know what, what the secondary looks like next year. You know I w- I would like Woody and DJ be in the corners, um, and you know I would like the safeties to probably be Key and Billy Bowman uh, is is what I would like to see with Trey Morrison maybe being in, in, in that nickel role, which is I which is where I think he excelled the most in at, at UNC. And then I would really like it if CJ Colden was was pushing DJ Graham or or pushing Trey Morrison at nickel, so, you know something like that would kind of be my ideal um and who knows i mean geez man maybe maybe josh eaton takes a step maybe maybe connie walker from louisville is is an impressive player i they got a lot of bodies there and i think a lot of stuff can shake out and then when you go down to the linebackers right i mean there's just there's a lot of a, I, I feel like there's a lot of untapped ability there that maybe wasn't realized like you mentioned david Aguibu, man there was a time right at the end of the 2020 season we thought david Aguibu was the best linebacker on the team yeah. and he just you know does I thought
0: he was maybe maybe most pro ready just because of his size yeah
1: does he that was a terrible take yeah i mean does does he even play linebacker anymore under this new staff is he able to put on the can he play defensive end but i kind of feel like he might be able to put like that's where he started as an edge rusher um where does clayton smith play i mean that's fascinating do they try to put weight yeah. on him to put him on the edge um like we, we like we all kind of hope and think that Danny Stutzman is is maybe just like kind of this mega talent. Is is his talent realized? Is is Shane Witter's athleticism finally realized? Uh, is can Jaron Kanak play it all this year? Jaden Rowe right now is probably big enough to play linebacker in college. Does he play? Does is he is he a DB or is he a linebacker? The defense is fast. I, I think, and I've actually, you know, thinking right after venables was hired remember i i i poured cold water on it i, I was thinking to myself i don't really expect a, a really quick turnaround on this maybe i'm not and you know i am kind of famously you know i said i you you were going to hear me in real time talk myself into dylan gabriel as as, as the offseason goes on but I, I mean i'm already talking myself into the defense um I, I mean i can there actually is quite a bit left over there than i think we're giving credit for and i think in an ironic sort of way even though it drove well, us no, insane even we're all though, giving credit for it, but you weren't yeah sure maybe sure in an ironic sense though right even though it drove us insane over this past season all of that substituting and all of the experience those guys get is really going to help owe you out in 2022 guys like isaiah Coke, guys like jordan kelly guys like ethan downs and reggie grimes getting a ton of run like that's yep. going to be really valuable in all likelihood yeah,
0: I agree. Have fun with that, USC. I'm not sure how much Rotane they'll be able to do, though, because I don't know if they have any depth. But uh, that's, a, that's a topic for another podcast. Uh, last question, comment, kind of an interesting one. Trey uh, put on our Facebook page, I think, last week. Uh, I've really thought of this before, but it's, yeah, it's a good offseason question. He says, if you could replace one game on the 2022 schedule, who and where would it be? And Trey is thinking about the matchups with Venables and Lebby and their new schemes and like who Oklahoma's playing against. Very unique question. And so my answer to that, it's, it's kind of like a, a canned, kind of probably the easy answer just based on what happened last year. I think would, I, I, if I could replace one team, one game on Oklahoma's schedule, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd take off Baylor. And I'm just basing it off of the Sugar Bowl. I mean, Baylor's defense seemed like they had no problem against uh, Ole Miss offense. And I know that Matt Corral was injured very early, but just using that as an example, I mean, Dave Aranda's is really good. And heck, I don't. I mean, I'm. I'd have a lot more confidence in Brent Venables' defense against Jeff Grimes and that Baylor offense, especially if Bohannon's back at quarterback. I, that that offense would not really scare me much if Brent Venables was in charge of calling defense against it. Uh, but I mean, Dave Aran is an awesome coach and he's a great defensive mind. So I guess I would say uh, if I had to take one team off OU schedule right now, I'd say take Baylor off and then replace Baylor with, I guess, uh, one of those SEC schools that Ole Miss's offense just carved up last year. And there's a lot of them. Ole Miss's offense was great last season. So just throw, I mean, A&M, they beat up on A&M. How about that? I mean, uh, and that would be technically a quality win potentially for Oklahoma. So a very unique question from Trey. So I'll, I'll go Baylor, Grant. Who do you go with?
1: <laughs> I think it's an interesting. I I I mean, yeah, I guess like I I think Baylor on paper is probably. Uh, but I don't know if I agree with that. I, I'm. I think Baylor could could take a bit of a step back next year. Just be, I mean because outside of. Uh, uh Siaka the the nose tackle I mean they're losing all of their best players on defense and I don't I you know for a program like Baylor I, I don't think that I think that's probably a little underrated I, I think people underrated how <laughs> Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie both those guys are just are like really good both those guys are gonna play in the NFL for a long time um so I but also like I, I want to take Trey's question just to, like have you and I know I already mentioned this earlier in the podcast. But next season's schedule for OU is, on paper, one of the easiest schedules I've I've ever seen. OU have. I mean, it We've is. We already
0: did this. We did this with the 2021
1: schedule. It, <laughs> it yeah. I, I mean, look. I mean, like I look. I we already told you their home schedule, and like I, I do like I think Kansas State, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. I think there's a really good chance that those are the te- those are if OU wins the Big 12 next year. Those are the three teams that are going to be directly behind them in the standings. I think there's, you can definitely say that maybe the three other best teams in the Big 12 are coming to Norman. And none of them, honestly, particularly scare me that much. Um, you know, as always, you know, Texas is the scariest game on the roster. It shouldn't be, but it it, it just is. It always will be. Um, but no, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I would, I would probably, I would love to replace Baylor as a home game and replace them with like Ole Miss. Because that would be a lot more fun. <laughs> that would be, that game would be a lot of fun. Or replace them with like Vanderbilt or something, just a a, an easy win, or or maybe I don't know, South Carolina would be interesting. Maybe get, maybe get, I don't know, man. Maybe get like Colorado in here. We haven't seen them in a long time. Missouri would be fun. Haven't seen them in a long time.
0: Uh, Yeah, very unique question and a perfect off-season.
1: Uh, topic to go out on before on this before you went into it i of thought west of evers because I, I i didn't read it beforehand but i thought maybe you were getting into. he was going to ask if there's one game like in ou history that you could change what would it be and then like you know and then game out the consequences of that game changing that's that's always a fun exercise but maybe that's for another time goodness
0: yeah that's yeah sure that's a extreme hypothetical Okay, well, uh, man, we did 90 minutes. Did not see that coming, but uh, a lot of college football playoff stuff, and uh, we'll see what happens in this next week. Uh, Although I will say I don't think – I can say this right now. We're not going to be able to do a podcast next week. Uh, We have a prior engagement set for next Tuesday night when we normally record, so unfortunately we're going to have to skip next week and then I suppose come back the week after in uh, the month of – March, We might know. Getting near March Madness. uh, We might
1: know more about spring football at that time. You never know. Yeah, we should. We should.
0: So uh, no podcast next week. We'll do our best to be back the week after. So uh, until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.